0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Um, I want to start by. I'll save the announcements for the end. Let me start right in talking about this today because, um, you know, I've been in the ministry now for 20 years. I've been around the ministry for 40 years and, um, I've been in revival services and in church almost every night of my life for 40 years. And, um, you know, you just look out and you can see Christians that are just sour, dejected, depressed, anxious, anxious look like they hate living life. Um, and oh, it's Kim Howard. No, we can't see you, Kim. It just says Facebook user as though you're dodging the government somehow. Um, you know, you see people, it looks like they're not even enjoying life like like the Lord, uh, you know, designed for you to do as a Christian. You know, it, we're not called to live a hard life. And by the way, if you're just jumping on, this one you need to share. It's going to help you. Um, but... Jesus said, Are there any among you that are weary, heavy laden? He said, Come unto me and I will give you rest. Right? Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I'm not, I want, I want you to hear me when I say this next statement that I'm about to say, because I know people can take issue with this and act like, uh, you know, that's, that's a wrong way of thinking. But if you are living your Christian life and it's hard, then you are doing it wrong. If you're living your Christian life and it's hard, you're doing it wrong. Now, let me qualify that statement now that I've said it. Jesus told us, that there would be persecutions in this life, afflictions, of course. There's no question. We have we have believers in other nations right now that are being uh, murdered and kidnapped and tortured. I get that, I, and I understand that. That's Bible prophecy. That is something Jesus said would take place. There will be persecutions in this life, but I'm not talking about the persecutions. In fact. Um, When I hear a lot of Pentecostal preachers preach on uh, suffering, the suffering that they're preaching on is totally unscriptural, totally unbiblical. Jesus didn't call you to suffer with the things he redeemed you from. Now, if we're talking about persecution for believing in Christ, there is an element of that and that will be present. I mean, the Bible teaches that that is prophecy and and it's not like it's never stopped happening. It's happening around the world. You see people being uh, uh, killed and you see churches being burnt down and you see people's lives being taken, people being abducted, all kinds of things. And that is a prophecy of scripture, but it is a very foolish thing to equate persecution for being a Christian with living a life of sickness living a life of depression, living a life of anxiety, living a life of, uh, of abuse or whatever it might be, it's foolish to equate those two things because they're not the same thing. You living in sickness or disease or you living in depression or anxiety or suicidal thoughts, all these things, that's not the same thing as persecution from ungodly people because you serve Christ. They're two different things. And when I hear preachers preach about suffering, they will equate the things that Christians are going through. I know you got that cancer right now, but that cancer is just teaching you a lesson. You're coming out. Your setback is just a setup for a comeback. It's like, that's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. And so you can teach that if you want, but you can't say it's God's word because God's word doesn't teach that. And so... Uh, many times people are living a life that uh, absolutely sucks. It's at, it, their life blows chunks, no question about it. And you, you don't have to live that way. In fact, many of the things, and I want you to get this in your spirit, many of the things people go through are because of wrong choices or poor choices that they have made personally many of the things Christians battle are because of choices that they've made that are reaping a harvest that is uh, undesirable. It's just undesirable. And so the the real crux of the matter is, as I take you through these today, I'm going to give you seven methods to build a life that does not suck, that you're not struggling every day and, Oh, I'm just going through it. Pastor, pray for me. Oh, I'm just, there's people, they are a lifetime prayer project. I, I mean that there are people that are a lifetime prayer project. That's not what you're called to be. That is not what you're called to be. And, and you know, your name shouldn't be on the prayer list every single week at the church. Hey, let's just continue to lift up sister Sharon. She's still going through it. Well, she's been going through it for 13 years. When is Sister Sharon going to get the victory over what she's been dealing with? Because you're not called to be a lifetime prayer project. And so uh, it's very important for us to understand this, that we are called to overcome in life. We're called to overcome. We are victors, not victims. In fact, I would start today by writing that in the comments. I am a victor, not a victim. Put it right in the comments. I am a victor, not a victim. Love you, Miss Hale. Good to see you on. I saw my mom pop on. Love you, mom. I am a victor, not a victim. And I refuse to have a victim's mentality. I refuse it. I will not have a victim's mentality. No way. There's no way. I refuse it. And so one of the things that you have to understand as you are living for Christ, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. And so as we go through these, and I'll I, it won't take all day to do it, but I'm going to give you seven, That if you can apply these seven to your life, then without question, you'll be able to live a life that, as God designed you to, to enjoy life, to walk in constant joy. Man, that seems like a dream to some people. You mean like literally, I could live in constant joy every day of my life, not drama to drama, issue to issue, problem to problem, crisis to crisis, depression to depression, disappointment to disappointment, absolutely Absolutely. I remember I was at a conference recently, and uh, the preacher got up and he was preaching. He said, and my, my Carolyn was with me. We were on the front row, and uh, the, the the guy that was preaching goes, How many of you are just going through it? Lift up a hand. And I mean, you know how Christians are. Every hand in the room is going up. He said, How many are really going through it? Lift up another hand. And like all both hands are in the air throughout the whole auditorium. Big place. Big place. And they said, "How many of you? You're really put your legs up as you're sitting down." And you got people out there with their legs outstretched and their arms up and sitting around thinking, "What in the world are these people going through?" By the way, it's not like we're you know in Baghdad trying to be Christians in Baghdad. We're we're in the United States of America, and we were living in one of the you know we were you know having the conference in one of the most free states that you could be in Florida. And I'm looking around all these people, the whole literally. You've got a whole room full of people at a conference that you got over a thousand people there that are all going through it that much, or is that just some kind of foolish Christian rhetoric? And so you got this guy, how many are really going through it? Lift up both hands and lift up both legs. And my wife and I are just sitting there with our arms for looking around the room in disbelief. You see, I'm not going through it. I'm not lifting a hand. I'm not lifting a hand. I'm not going through it. Lift both hands. Lift both legs. I'm not. I'm not struggling. I'm not going through it. I've learned to walk by faith and not by sight. That doesn't mean I'm denying. That doesn't mean, by the way, let me just say this. That doesn't mean that, you know, I really am going through it like like some goofy charismatics do. Their life really is a mess, but they just use faith to deny that there's actually any problems going on. Well, no, brother, I'm actually blessed. You're not blessed. I mean, you're, you're walking through crap. It's just people use that to like, well, no, brother, I know I'm in the middle of hell, but I'm talking like heaven. No, that, that's not the same thing. I'm not going through hell. I'm not going through hell. And I'm not condemning people if you haven't had an attack come against your life. What I'm saying is, you're not called to live in 24-7 attack mode. That's ridiculous. Get the victory and you can walk in victory. And so I'm just sitting there looking around like all, you talking about over a thousand people sitting here going through it with all four limbs in the air. Like what in the world is going on in your life in the United States of America as a Christian in the most free state you could probably live in? Like, what are you dealing with? 1200 people. I'm really going through it, brother. Like get over it. Get the victory. You got the Holy Ghost. Get some victory. And so much of it, and I will say this, and I mean it, much of it is poor decision-making and poor choices on behalf of many Christians. And so as we talk about these, I want you to go with me to John chapter 16, and, and we're going we're gonna to start here because we need to start here. This is the baseline uh, uh, of understanding this this subject. And number one, if you're taking notes, put it in the comments Number 1, uh the first method that you've got to employ in order to live a life that does not suck is that you've got to live a life that is led by the spirit. Learn to live a life that's led by the Holy Ghost. I've been harping on this a lot lately because I want to see this generation of Christians living led by the spirit. I want to see it, not our emotions not our good ideas, not our own personal thoughts, not somebody else's opinion, but by the voice and leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the key. Live a life. It's like I look around and people make choices about their lives without ever consulting the Holy Ghost. They don't pray. They don't fast. They don't get godly counsel. They just Make decisions. Some, I knocked the wire loose with my phone. I got all excited. Um, Some mistakes, sorry about that. Um, Some mistakes are easy to recover from. Some mistakes are hard to recover from. And other mistakes are, you never recover from them. So don't live flippantly. Don't Don't live your life flippantly. Remember that everything in your life is important. Every decision you make is important. And that's why, you know, when I say every decision you make, you know, it's not like, should I go to McDonald's or Burger King? I'm not talking about those kinds of decisions. I'm talking about, you know, as you make life decisions, your life is important. You know, one of the reasons people don't uh, make uh, good decisions that way, or they don't consult the Holy Spirit, they don't feel as if their life is important enough. And your life is important. Your life is important. And so, so hear me today. You need to consult the Holy Spirit before making life decisions, because some mistakes are easy to recover from, some are hard to recover from, and some you never recover from. And so it's like when I was teaching this week about how your purpose is location-based. So when God calls you to go do something, He also has a location connected to your purpose. He has a location connected to your purpose, no question about it. And so it's important to understand that we don't just choose like my kids. I don't tell my kids, you know, when you grow up you can be anything you want to be. I don't teach them that. No, that's not how we live as Christians. When you grow up, you discover what the Lord wants you to be, and you follow that path. You don't say oh, you can be anything you want to be. No, that's not what it is to be, as Paul called it, a slave or bond servant of Christ. He's my master. I'm his servant. So the servant doesn't tell the master what he's going to do. The master tells the servant what he's going to do. So I don't tell the Lord, now Lord, I've got this great idea for my career and I want you to just get on it, get your hands on this No, that's not what you do. You pray, you fast, you discover your personal purpose in life and you let the Lord guide you in your purpose. And so the first key, the first method to building a life that does not suck is being led by the Holy Ghost. Jesus taught... John 16, I'm reading here in verses, I'm going to read verse 13. The Bible says, when the spirit of truth comes. Now remember, Jesus taught this and said this before the day of Pentecost. This was before the day of Pentecost, before his ascension, before his resurrection. So he said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. You see that he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit, one of his main jobs for the believer is to lead and guide you into all truth and to tell you or declare unto you things to come. So can the Holy Spirit warn you of things to come? Absolutely he can. Absolutely he can. And he does. And he does. I mean, he wasn't just doing this in the New Testament. He was doing this all the way in the Old Testament. If you go all the way back to uh, Jeremiah chapter 33, this is something that uh, the Lord spoke to the prophet Jeremiah. He didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. But notice what the Lord said to Jeremiah. He said, if you'll call to me, I'll answer you. And I'll tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Said that to Jeremiah. That's the ESV. Take a listen in the New Living Translation. He said, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things to come. Now, he was a prophet of God. And God said, if you'll just inquire, I will actually share with you remarkable secrets about the future. Well, let me tell you something. That same spirit that was able to tell Jeremiah remarkable secrets about the future and was not even living in him, would just come upon him. In the new covenant, that same spirit is living Inside of our bodies, the Bible says. Did you know Paul had to remind the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells in you? So let me tell you, that same spirit that was able to tell Jeremiah remarkable secrets about the future is able to tell you remarkable secrets about the future. Let me just tell you something. The Lord does not love and did not love Jeremiah more than he loves you and me. In fact, a very interesting verse of scripture um, that I was reading where Jesus is talking about uh, the Old Testament men and the New Testament men. And Jesus speaks first of John the Baptist. And he says, of all of the men in you know in in the law and the prophets none is greater than who John the Baptist none is greater than John the Baptist he said but the least in the kingdom of god is far greater than he is Oof. think about that for a minute the least in the kingdom well listen those old testament Uh, saints. were not in the kingdom of God. We're in the kingdom of God. And he said, though in the old covenant law prophets, none was greater than John the Baptist. Jesus said that he said, but the least in the kingdom is far greater than he is. So understand that if you are, I don't care if you're the pinky toenail of the body of Christ, Jesus taught you are far greater than any of those in the old covenant, in the law, in the prophets, any of those That means the least in the kingdom is greater than Elijah, greater than Elisha, greater than Abraham, greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because we've got a whole different relationship with Jesus than they did. We've got a covenant with Christ and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit who speaks to us, who leads us, guides us into all truth. Powerful, powerful. And so I want you to put it in the comments. I am greater than those in the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. I am greater than those in the Old Covenant. That's you got to think about that because we think about Elijah, we think about King David, we think about Abraham, Moses, we think about, we think about all these men. and, And we look at them. They're the heroes of the faith. They're the giants. Jesus taught the least in the kingdom is far greater. Than the greatest in the old, which was John the Baptist, Hallelujah! That'll stir you up right there. Praise the Lord. Least in the kingdom. And if you want to write that reference down, it's found in Matthew eleven eleven, where Jesus taught, "Truly I say to you, among those born of women." There has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Hallelujah. And then, of course, the the scripture right after that we quote, very famous, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. So get that in your spirit. The least in the kingdom. Is greater than the greatest in the old covenant. And so we have the indwelling Holy Spirit. He leads us, he guides us into all truth. And one of the things, and I've listened, I've given my, my personal testimony many times, I've given other ministers' testimonies many times. But when you recognize that the Lord is leading you perfectly, and not only is he leading you perfectly, he's leading you to the perfect place. There's people that take jobs, buy homes, make career moves, make college moves, never having inquired of the Holy Ghost. And as a result, they're in no man's land, not wondering why it's not working out for them because you're not walking in the plan or the will of God. And by the way, while we're on the subject, God doesn't have multiple wills for his children. He doesn't have multiple wills for his children, by the way. And when we go to read this, I want to show you it's Romans chapter 12 and verse number two, Paul writes, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, that's why I always recommend that people don't just read the Bible in one translation. You know, for years, people have had the King James Bible and they don't even understand the the syntax or the language of the old King James English. And so there are literally people that have created doctrines in Christian church based on the wording of the King James Bible. It's a foolish thing to do. It's a foolish thing to do. Building entire doctrines around the wording of the King James Bible. It's a stupid thing to do. Most people don't even understand the syntax or the grammar of the old King James English. And I, I literally, I mean, this, is like a, this is like a side note. There are preachers that will literally in the midst of, I know this for a fact, I've seen it happen. There are preachers who will preach their messages with a modern translation of the Bible, New Living, you know, NIV, whatever. And then they'll say, well, I want to read you this scripture though in the King James because the King James got it right here. No, it's just that they're choosing a wording that proves their point. That's not how you should preach, and that's not how you should study the Bible, and that's not how you form thoughts or doctrines. Well, this is the way the Let me read it to you here in the King James, because this is really the way they got it right here in the King James. That's, that's not how you study the Bible. That is an amateur way to divide the Word of God. Amateur. The entire context should show you what the passage is about. and When you pluck little things out, and say, well, look at the wording in this one verse. This is the way, that's, that's a stupid thing to do. And people have done it with Romans 12 too. That's the reason I brought it up. Because listen to it in the King James. It said, be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, people took that wording, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? And they looked at it and said, well, see that? There's a good will of God. There's an acceptable will of God. And there's a perfect will of God. It's not what the Bible's saying. And remember, it still does say will and not wills. It's not uh, plural. It's singular. And when you look in a modern translation like the ESV, it'll help you to see how the the wording is here. It says, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. And then it breaks it down. What is good and acceptable and perfect. All three adjectives describing the same noun. The will of God is good. The will of God is acceptable. And the will of God is perfect. So don't listen to these preachers that go around and say, well, you know, you might not be in his perfect will, but you're in his permissive will. There's no such thing as his permissive will. That's foolishness. Absolute foolishness. Well, you're in his permissive will, but you're not. No. What, is God double-minded? Is God? Did God tell us through through James not to be double-minded? And then he himself is double-minded? No. God's not double-minded. So God, God didn't create for you a permissive will and a perfect will. God has a plan for your life. You can follow it or not follow it. It's up to you. But when people talk about permissive will, really what that is, you're just living in the mercy of God. You're not in his will, but because he allows you to do what you want to do, he's not going to force you like a marionette puppet to do everything he wants you to do. So you're not, it's not that you're in his permissive will, it's that you're just living under the mercy of God, but you're not in his will. You're either in the will of God or you're not in the will of God. There's, it's black or white. And so that's why it's important. People are too flippant with their lives. Why do you think people live sucky lives in the kingdom of God? Because they don't, they don't give a crap about consulting the Holy Spirit or, or, or walking in the will of God for their life. They don't care. That's why I so thank God for Brother Hagin and those that taught things like how you can know the will of God for your life. Teaching people how to know the will of God for your life. It's one of the most important things, if not the most important, that you could ever learn. In fact, if if I could only teach young Christians one skill, it would be how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and be led by the Holy Ghost. That would be the one skill I would teach them. How to be led by the Holy Spirit in their everyday life. And that would include how to properly discern the word of God, because one of the ways you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is by hearing from the written word of God. And so the the, the number one method today to build a life that is not, uh, you know, one that you want to end <laughs> is by being led by the Holy Ghost. Number two, if you're taking notes, I want you to put this in. The second method is that you've got to learn how to eliminate the approval of all people stop caring about the approval of others you will always be in crisis if that's what you're looking for so number two eliminate your need for approval put it in the comments write it in your notes number two eliminate your need for approval eliminate your need for approval Now, I want the Lord to approve of me. I want want Jesus to be happy. I want the Holy Ghost to give me the thumbs up. But I don't care if men approve or not. See, because here's the deal. Once you know what you're called to do, and you begin to do it faithfully, then who cares if people like it or not? Because see, the thing that fulfills and sustains you is knowing the Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to do this. And once you know the Lord told you to do it, then who cares what anybody else may think about it? Who cares? Well, they don't like the way I'm doing it. Who cares what they like? Let them run their run their race. You run your race. Uh, it doesn't mean now. Now, let me give you the caveat here. It doesn't mean you can't take instruction. It doesn't mean you're not teachable. You know, if I had somebody, but but I'm going to give you help here. On, on this subject, because people wonder, well, how do I know how to who to take, uh, uh, you know, in correction and instruction from? I'll tell you this as a rule of thumb, never take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. <laughs> That'll help you right there. Never take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. It's like an armchair quarterback screaming at the television because Tom Brady made the wrong pass. I would have never made that pass. Why did he make that pass? I I would have never passed it. You've got Cheetos crumbs on your shirt. You're 78 pounds overweight, and you're reclined in a lazy boy screaming at one of the top athletes that ever lived on the face of the earth about a pass that he made. That is a stupid place to be. Criticizing... From a place of inability, there are people that criticize from a place of inability, inexperience, inadequacy. Why would I care what they think? It's like, can you remember? Can you imagine somebody broke, totally broke, walking up to you and be like, uh, "Let me tell you what I think you should do with your financial portfolio this year." I don't care what you think about. And I say this in all love, but I'm saying it so you can understand what I'm what I'm getting at. I don't care what you think I should do to invest my money. You're broke. You're inadequate to give me advice in that area. And so let other people run their race. You run yours. But now let's say you do have somebody who is your spiritual father or your spiritual leader or a mentor. Someone's been there, done that, doing what you're, has already done what you're trying to do. The wise thing would be to listen to their counsel listen to their counsel. But you know what I found out? Those types of people don't show up to condemn you about how you're doing things. I don't like me. I wouldn't do it. People that are successful in doing what they've done, they don't operate that way. In fact, anybody I've ever been around that is successful in any area of life, I've had to pull that knowledge out of them. I've had to ask pointed questions, penetrating questions to pull that knowledge out of them because they understand how valuable their knowledge is. That's the whole point. I've worked my whole life. I've listened to the Lord. I've done all the right things to get this knowledge, not just giving it away for free. They don't run around giving everybody their ABCs. And so that's one of the ways you can tell the difference. Don't take constructive criticism from people who haven't constructed anything. Total waste of time. It's a total waste of time. So you've got to eliminate your need for approval. There are people that are running around trying to get everybody's approval on what they're doing. Just do it. If the Lord told you to do it, just do it. And don't care if people like it or not like it. Who cares? They're not your master. Jesus is your master. Jesus is your master. And so you got to learn to eliminate the need for approval. Number three, do what God has given you a love for. Put that in the comments, put it in your notes. Number three, do the thing God has given you a love or a passion for. It's part of discovering your purpose. I told somebody the other day, my, my nephew reposted it on Twitter or on Instagram. People come to me, he's like, you know, I'd really like to go in the, into the ministry. I always, I'll ask him a question. Oh, you'd like to be in the ministry? And, and then I'll say this: what other career path? if it became available to you would you take over ministry and if there's an answer to that question don't go into the ministry it's like well you know i'd love to be i'd love to be an investor on wall street but you know i, I don't really have but you know if uh, if that really came available man i I'd, I'd really uh, i'd take that i would go do that then go do that don't be in the ministry well you know i love to i love to play the piano i love to i love to uh, i love to play the guitar and I've been working on my guitar playing for a long time, and I'll tell you, if so-and-so called and asked me to go on tour, man, I'd, I'd probably turn the church over to somebody and go on tour. Then don't don't start a church. Don't be in the ministry. Because there are clearly things in your life that you value more than the ministry. And that's the key. If there's, you ask yourself the question, what other career path that if it became available, would I immediately drop everything and take that option? And if there is an answer, don't do the thing that you're getting ready to do. I would tell, especially when it comes to ministry, where you have to minister to other people. I tell people, if there's other things that you'd rather be doing, go do them. Don't go into the ministry. See, my I, I can't. For me, I don't know what. I can't imagine doing anything else. Like they, they asked my grandfather that one time because he was very, he was very intelligent, very charismatic, uh, had a lot of opportunities, and so they knew he probably could do anything he wanted to do. And they asked my grandfather one time, uh, "Brother A.E., what would you be?" if you weren't a Pentecostal preacher, he said, what would I be? I'd be ashamed. That was his answer. I'd be ashamed. Well, he understood what he was called to do. He knew what he was called to do. I can't imagine doing anything else, but what I'm doing right now, I can't, I couldn't be fulfilled. You know, I play the piano. I would, I've already told the Lord, I would never play the piano in some secular setting in some on some tour making thousands of dollars or whatever. I told the Lord, you'll never find me in a bar band or, you know, some coffee shop for extra cash or, you know, you're not going to find me doing that. You're not going to find me doing that. This is a gift given by God and it's dedicated to God. I can't imagine doing anything else. Not a thing. There's no other career path. Well, you know, if I could be, you know, a hedge fund investor, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. Well, you know, if I could be on the PGA tour, I don't care about that. (laughs) if I could be a real estate mogul, I don't care. I can't imagine doing anything else but what I'm doing because I'm called to do it. And when you know what you're called to do, number one, not only do you not seek the approval of others, but number three, uh, you, you start to do the thing that God put that love in your heart for. God may, gave me a love for this because he called me to do it. And I do it. I wake up every day with passion. You ask my team. Constantly I'm getting ideas, constantly studying, finding new things, methods, avenues, sharing it with the team, planning things. Why? I'm I'm excited to do this. It's not like I just started yesterday or a couple of weeks ago. I've been doing it 20 years, 20 years, and I feel like I just started doing it. Still getting, still pumped up, still excited. Fire of God's burning. Why? Doing the thing God gave me a love for. Discover what your passion is that God placed in you. God gave you that love and do it with, uh, as unto the Lord with all your might, in excellence. Do it in excellence. Number four, um, the fourth thing that you can do to ensure you don't live a sucky life that you want to end is make it your business to be a blessing to other people. That's number four. Put it in the comments. Make it your business to be a blessing to other people. In any way that you can. I don't care if it's small or if it's large. Let me tell you one thing that you'll feel as you do that. It brings a supernatural refreshing to your life. It'll bring a supernatural. People don't even understand. When you start blessing others, it actually has an effect on every area of your physical life. It affects your spirit, man. It, uh, because it's obedience to God and anything that's an obedience to God's word affects your spirit, man. It, it, it'll affect your mental state. When you begin to help others, it's been shown and proven that when you begin to bless and help others, it affects even your mood, which then will then affect your physical body. It's amazing how God created us that when we do the things that we're supposed to do, it creates within us a certain mindset I mean, literally the way God created our bodies, chemicals are then released into our bodies. I mean, it's, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. And then you have these same, uh, um, uh, things flowing through your, through your body that, uh, are produced anytime you're in joyful situations or in, you know, when you're laughing or whatever it might be. And, uh, you have these, they're just flowing through. And then what does it do? It's just not just affecting your mind. It affects your physical body. It affects your, even your energy level. It's mind blowing. Now it, the name is slipping my mind, but what's the thing? Somebody put it in the comments. What is the um, what is the, the the chemical that's released by your brain when you have that when you have that experience? I'm forgetting the name right now. Somebody help me out in the comments section. Melatonin is the one that helps you sleep. Serotonin is the other one, but what's endorphins? Thank you, Tanya. And I can trust Tanya because Tanya is a teacher. And so she knows what she's talking about. Uh, endorphins and probably dopamine. It's not, is it oxytocin? Serotonin? Dopamine? I know for sure endorphins are released. and And probably dopamine. I mean, they've shown that when you have social media updates, dopamine is released in your brain. So when you see that pleasure state, you start to realize like, man... It really blesses me to help others. Well, it doesn't just affect your spirit. It affects your soul. It affects your mind. And it begins to change your mood. And those things are released, released in your body the way God created your body to function. And it even affects your physical body. It's insane. Begin to bless others. Begin to refresh others. I mean, I'm mean, i going to read you this. Um, In the book of proverbs the bible teaches that those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed let me give you this proverbs chapter 11 verses 24 and 25 get this in your spirit now one one person gives freely and grows all the richer Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Now look at verse 25. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. That's the ESV. Listen to the New Living Translation as well. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be Refreshed. Listen to the New English translation. The one who provides water for others will himself be satisfied. Notice the, 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 the common thread here. The gener- This is the NASB. The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered. So notice, it's saying that what, obviously, what you do for others will be done for you. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. He who waters others will be watered himself. Notice this is God's plan and there's something in you that changes, you know, go do something for somebody, do something unexpected for somebody and just their reaction will bless you. I don't know if you've seen any of these things they've been doing on social media where people are just surprising others at the grocery store. And when people are swiping all their groceries through, somebody's just standing by and just paying for their groceries when it comes time to pay. Somebody comes up and says, oh, let me get that. I have a gift card here. Puts it in the machine. And the person's like, what? Why would you do that? Why, why are you doing that? Oh, we just want to let you know that Jesus loves you, cares about you today, and we want to be a blessing to you. And p- Some people start crying. Some people hug the person. I mean, some people are just effusively thankful. Why? Because when you bless others, you begin to immediately see the reaction on their life as they are blessed. And it blesses you, just like the Bible says. He who waters will himself be watered. He who waters will himself be watered. So set up a life where you are a blessing to other people on a regular basis. Don't, you know, bless the Lord. Of course, we bless his work. He's first in my life. I always bless the Lord. But number two, guess what? I'm blessing others. I'm blessing what did Paul say? Especially to those that are in the household of faith. Do good to others, and especially to those that are in the household of faith. So guess what? Those that are Christians, that are also serving the Lord with me, I bless them. I give stuff away constantly. Give things to people, but buy things for people, bless them. But you know what? We're also blessing the poor. Every single day we're blessing the poor. I made up my mind. Our ministry is not going to be a ministry that doesn't bless the poor. And we are in the top 1% of givers to feed the hungry. Because I made up my mind. We're going to bless the poor. We're going to do what the Bible says. And you know what? I've never felt it as a burden on on me. It's never been a burden. We've never wondered where we're going to get that money to bless the poor. We've never wondered how we're going to make make ends meet and pay our bills. Never been a question. Because he who waters others will himself be watered. Number five, this is a very, very important one, especially in 2022. You may be watching this in the future. You're definitely not watching this in the past. But in 2022 and beyond, number five, stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop comparing yourself. Social media can be an enemy of people's purpose because people just look at what others are doing And they're always comparing themselves and their race and their purpose with somebody else. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't allow yourself to step into that uh, realm of comparison. It'll steal your joy. It'll steal your peace. Don't compare. The Bible says, when you compare yourselves with others, you are unwise. I'm not called to compare. I got to... You know what you you should compare yourself to? Not others. You know what you should compare yourself to? The instructions God gave you. That's what you should compare yourself to. Where is my life in comparison to where God called me to be? Have I hit the mark yet? Am I still running toward the mark, the high calling? What am I doing? Where am I at? See, that's why we always encourage people that if you're going to... um, If you are going to make goals, at least attach the SMART goals system to your goals. And if you're not familiar with that, just Google SMART goals. It's an acronym. Make sure because you've got to be able to measure how far you've gotten in your goal towards where you're headed. You always do that. So don't compare yourself to others. Instead, compare yourself to your heavenly instructions. This is what the Lord's asked me to do and this is how far I've gotten doing it. This is how much more I have left to do. This is my goal that he set until he gives me new instructions. This is how much further I have to go to complete that goal or that task. That is a fulfilling comparison rather than comparing yourself to someone else that may not even be called to do the same thing you're doing. They might be called to do something completely different. Don't, don't compare yourself in that way. It's a it's a destructive pattern that really is overtaking a lot of people in 2022 and beyond because information is so accessible, you're able to see what everybody... And here's the thing. I heard this. I didn't, I didn't come up with this, so don't think I did, but it did hit me and strike me, and that is when people compare to their lives to others on social media, they likened it to sports. They said, you're comparing your practice sessions to other people's highlight reels. Think about that. You are comparing your practice sessions to other people's highlight reels. Don't do that. Don't look at the greatest dinner someone ever made their family and took professional photos of it and look over to the nasty macaroni and cheese that's hanging out the side of your pot on your stove. Like, I'm not a good mom. Look at what she's making for her family and I'm over here with, you know... Green beans in a bag and macaroni and cheese <laughs> hanging out the side of my pot that's a stupid thing to do you're You're comparing the day to day your practice sessions with someone's greatest achievement. <laughs> that is a foolish thing to do. Then you start getting down on yourself What kind of mom am I anyway? What kind of dad am I anyway? I mean, look at look what he's done look what I'm doing. Don't compare your practice sessions with somebody's highlight reel. Don't compare yourself to somebody else It's destructive it's destructive. Number, number six, get this. If you want to build a life that doesn't suck, learn the power of contentment. Be happy with what you have. Be happy where you currently are as long as you're pressing for greater. But don't, don't live in greed. Don't live in jealousy. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Learn to live a life of contentment. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. Learn to just be satisfied. We live in a culture that is constantly pushing us. Buy more. Get more. You need this. You need this new thing. You need, you got to have this. You're being marketed to constantly trying to make you feel like you don't have what you need. You need this. Oh, your house isn't big enough. Your car isn't nice enough. Your phone isn't new enough. Your TV's not big enough and it's not high def enough. And you're always being marketed to. And there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with having things. But there is something wrong with a love of money. And there is something wrong with a a love of possessions. And there is something wrong with greed. And there is something wrong with discontentment. We shouldn't be those people. Thank God for what I have. I'll have new things in the future, but thank God for where I'm at right now. You know, it doesn't mean there aren't things you want. There will be things you want. Listen, if there weren't things you wanted, how could God give you the desires of your heart? There, of course, there are things you want, but you're not greedy for them. I'm not, uh, uh, you know, it's like you see things other people have. i I'm, you know, and you start to covet. I'm not getting into covetousness. I'm not getting into greed. Yes, there's things I want, but if I don't have them, I'm fine. God will bless me with them. That's why I like what Bishop Boyadepo said. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. This watch I'm wearing right now, this is definitely a watch that I've, I would have gone into a jewelry store and saw and wanted this. Thing. I mean, like, it's gorgeous. And I could have paid thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go buy it. But you know what I did? I was just seeking the kingdom of God. And somebody walked up to me right before I stepped up to the piano and put this watch in my hand. and said, I had this burning in my spirit. I had to put this in your hand. And God blessed me. And it is beautiful. And I like it. I could have gone done it on my own. But I like what Bishop Roya said. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. If God can't give it to me, may I never have it. You don't go greed, the greed route, the covetous route. Let God provide for you and be happy. Uh, You know, if I didn't have this watch, I'd be happy. The watch doesn't provide my happiness or my fulfillment, but God knows how to bless you with things you like, but you don't do it in the greed route. You don't do it in the covetousness route. We're not living that way. Learn the power of contentment. Amen. I have an Apple watch that I wear just as much, if not more. And the the price difference is massive, but you know, it, it doesn't make me any more happy, any less happy. They're things. Things come, things go. And if you don't, if you learn to not build an attachment to things, that will keep you in a place, by the way, here's a pro tip, that will keep you in a place where you can always sow no matter what. If God tells you to sow a thing, to give it, that you've got no attachment to it, boom, it's gone. It's sown. It's from my heart into somebody else. Don't grow an attachment to things in your life because the Lord may speak to you to sow them tomorrow. Let me give you the final one before we pray. The seventh thing that you need to do, the seventh method of building a life that does not suck, is to, number seven, master yourself. Master yourself. This will help you. Master yourself. And I want to just quickly run down five areas of your life that you have to master. I did a whole broadcast on this. And if Tiffany can help me, pop it in the comments if she's still watching. Uh, the link to that broadcast five areas of your life that you must master. Let me just do a quick rundown of all five areas so you know where i 'm coming from. Number one, you have to master your spiritual life your spiritual disciplines. you will be out of whack if you don 't have spiritual disciplines in place what that what do those include reading your Bible church attendance on a consistent faithful basis praying on a daily basis, praying in the Holy Ghost on a daily basis, sharing your faith, praising God and worshiping him on a daily basis. These things all have to be in place for your spiritual life to be on track. So A, under seven, A, master your spiritual life. B, master your soul. That's your mind, your will, your emotions. Don't let your mind run you. You run your mind. People come to me, I can't control the thoughts that pop into my mind. No, but you can control whether or not you meditate on them. And Paul taught the church in Corinth, take every thought captive and make it obey Jesus Christ. My mind doesn't run me, I run my mind. Thank you. There it is. Five areas of your life you must master. There's the YouTube uh, link there for anybody that, that is interested in going back to watch that. But, but catch this, master your mind. People that are run by their mind are emotional roller coasters. You can't live a life of pure happiness, joy, peace if that's you. You can't do it. Your mind will run you and then you will literally be an emotional wreck all the time because you're not led by the word or by the spirit. You're led by your thoughts, your emotions. Take control of your soul. Take control of your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's B. C, Gain control of your body. Many, You know how short the prayer line would be for healing if people just would take control of their body? We could probably cut it down to a third. Fifty-some percent. I just got this statistic. I put it into my book on fasting. Dr. Rhonda Patrick, uh, who's a long-life specialist, said that over 50% of people being treated in hospitals in the United States of America are being treated for something called metabolic syndrome. Which, is in, which includes type 2 diabetes, high triglycerides, hypertension, and other things that can be fixed by controlling your body and your diet and exercising. That's it. You don't have a disease. You're destroying your own temple of the Holy Spirit by not taking control of your body. And so letter C, under that number 7, you got to take control of your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You want to run long and strong. Amen. Amen. Got to use wisdom. You don't just say, well, you know, the Lord, if he wants me to be alive, he'll take care of me. No, use wisdom. Exercise. Get your heart pumping. Amen. Sleep properly. Drink water. Eat right. Don't pound your, that's as stupid as taking your thumb, putting it on an anvil and smashing it with a hammer every day and going, oh, God, heal my thumb. Smash. Oh, God, heal my thumb. Smash. Oh, God, heal my thumb. That's what people are doing in America. They smash their bodies every day, filling it to, the, to overflowing with refined sugars and carbohydrates. And then they wonder, how come their blood cells resist insulin from their pancreas? I can tell you why. You've smashed your body on a daily basis. Now, I'm just telling you that you've got to take control of your body. Now, you could, I could do a whole broadcast on why. Why are they doing that? Why are people doing that? Are they stress eating? Are they emotional eating? Are they eating that way because they can't afford to do better or they don't invest in their own physical body? If so, you need to do number four, which is D, take control of your finances. Take control of your finances. People in America live far beyond their means and they do it on purpose. It's not because they're poor. It's because they live beyond their means. They live beyond their means. They spend because they're marketed to instead of saving. So they live beyond their means. They could do what is expedient, but they don't. They do what their flesh wants. So the, you know, tax returns come back, stimulus check comes in, and instead of paying down their credit card debt, getting out of debt, doing wise things, they, they empty out Sunglass Hut and Foot Locker. Well, don't, don't wonder then why. I don't know why I'm in financial straits. Stop emptying out Sunglass Hut and Foot Locker, pay off your debt, be debt free, and invest in good food for your body. Live long and strong. Take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. So, so D, you've got to master your finances, master your finances. You've got to tithe. You've got to give. You've got to bless the poor. You've got to budget. You've got to save. The Bible says a fool spends all that he has. A fool spends all that he has. So these things have to be in place. And then finally E, take control of your relationships. When I'm talking about mastering yourself I'm talking about these five areas. I may bring out a book on it at some point because I reference this so often. I probably should at some point, uh, bring a book out on this, on this subject because literally I'm always, I'm always going back and having somebody post this in the comments, post that link to that video. And so you got to master your spirit, master your soul, master your body, master your finances, master your relationships. There needs to be boundaries in your relationships. Amen. What does it mean? Truly love your wife or husband. Show them you love them. Your children, invest in them. Love them. Show them. Spend time with them. You know, those that are spiritual relationships in your life, your pastor, your spiritual father, whoever's, whoever's speaking into you, bless them. Bless them. I have a system set up where I'm blessing the two main uh, uh, people in my life that speak into my life on a monthly basis. I sow seed into them personally on a monthly basis. Amen. Why? Because I value them and gift giving is a form of love shown. God so loved the world that he gave. Gift giving is one of the five love languages and I show that with a financial gift every single month. Why? Because I love and appreciate them. You got to take control of your spirit, soul, body, finances, relationships. Amen. Seven methods to build a life that does not suck. So that you can live in the joy of the Lord. The peace of God will rule your hearts and minds by faith. You can literally go through and you're not going from crisis to crisis. You're not going to be that person that's at the conference with both hands and both feet raised in the air. I'm going through it, pastor. And if there is an attack of the enemy that comes at you, face it, fight the good fight of faith, overcome, and go back into victory again. Because though it's scriptural to be attacked, it is not scriptural to be defeated. Amen. Amen. So I want to pray for you here at the end of this broadcast and ask the Lord that he would put a new fight in your spirit and a new self-control. I mean, you got to yield to the Holy Ghost. One of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. And these things take the Holy Spirit empowered self-control to bring to pass. Amen. Father, I pray for every person that's watching right now, every person that's listening on the podcast, I'm asking you, Lord, today to empower them, give them a fire to step out of the mess that they've been in, to come out of that entanglement, that yoke of bondage. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would supernaturally give them that self-control and let them yield to it to come out of every one of these areas and to build a life that is in the joy of the Lord, in the peace of God that passes all understanding not going from crisis to crisis, but victory to victory in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for it and we give you praise. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. Listen, we're here in revival. I want to encourage you to sow. Really? We talk about mastering your finances. One of the greatest things you can do is to connect your finances with the work of God's kingdom. The work of God's kingdom. That's what Carolyn and I are doing. We're doing the work of the kingdom. And as you partner with us, you are taking part in the work of the kingdom. I want to say thank you to all those that are already partnered with us. But if you're not, if you're not setting aside something on a monthly basis to stand with us, can I encourage you and challenge you to do so? I don't know what the Lord will speak to you to do, uh, whether that's $100 a month or you know $500 a month, whatever it might be. We have people that are giving over $1,000 a month every month to be a part of what we're doing in these final moments of time. But do something. Do what the Lord's encouraging you to do because it is making a difference, not only in this nation, but around the world. Did you know we're on television now in 180 nations of the world? People are being saved all the time. And so I wanna encourage you to be a part of this as Carolyn and I are pushing forward before Jesus comes. Here's what we wanna do. For those of you that are uh, partnering with us in June, three gifts that we're sending out this month for those that are sowing $1,000 or more this month, we're going to send you all three of these things, the Net Bible with 60,000 translator's notes, T.L. Osborne's book, The Message That Works, and Dr. Leroy Thompson's book, Money Cometh to the Body of Christ, and these will help you immensely. For those that are sowing $250 or more, we're going to send you both of those books by Dr. Thompson and by Dr. Osborne. And finally, those that are partnering at $85 or more, we want you to have Dr. Leroy Thompson's book money cometh to the body of Christ. And so go to miracleword.com. I would encourage you to click the partner page. You'll see all that we're doing. Fill out the form so that we know you're standing with us on a monthly basis. And then listen, for everybody that's uh, partnering with us, I want to encourage you because we've got a, a Victory Tribe Homecoming weekend that's coming up in October, the 28th and the 29th. That's a Friday and a Saturday in Bethlehem slash Allentown, Pennsylvania. Friday night's a revival, Holy Ghost service. And then Saturday is our partner luncheon and brunch. And we're going to get together, hang out. going to be great. I have some huge announcements to share with you. And I would love for you to be there. Make plans. Block these dates on your calendar. Don't miss it. We're giving you plenty of time to make those plans. We want to see you there. Also, by the way, got a brand new magazine That's getting ready to mail out and uh, I want to get one in your hands. And so if you're not subscribed to receive our quarterly magazine, um, then you can go to miracleword.com forward slash live and sign up to receive these. Plus I'm sending you emails every single week to let you know what's happening. So you'll sign up to receive the magazine and a weekly email from me. And uh, I'd like to stay in touch with you as well. Also two other things. The new kids book, Strong, Smart, Set Apart, it is the one-year Bible study for Miracle Word Kids. It is now available worldwide. So if you're watching from another country, let me tell you, uh, you can get this in your territory on Amazon. But if you are uh, here in the United States and you'd like to get bulk copies of this, multiple copies, we'll give you bulk pricing if you go to our website, shop.miracleword.com, and Everybody that's purchasing through our website is going to get stickers and bracelets for the kids as well. We also, for the children, have the new Miracle Word Kids Yeti tumblers for the summer. And um, you're going to have to grab these uh, while, while they last because the tumblers and the Yetis go very quick in the store. So if you want to get some of these for the kids, uh, grab them uh, before they're gone because they do go extremely quickly because people love Yeti because they make an amazing product and uh, we just had the yellow ones. I think they're gone now for the adults, but um, grab them while they last. I love you guys. I'm gonna be back again in the morning, uh, and we're gonna be going again at 10.30 a.m. Thanks for hanging with me today. I love you so much, and thank you for everybody that's sewing. Thanks for everybody that's partnering. We really love you guys, and we pray for you. Let me say one more thing. If you want to receive, I text people. I've been sending voice messages out. I've been sending text messages out, and it really is me. And if you're not part of the uh, text family yet and you want to get connected with me on text message, do this. Are you ready? Miracleword.com forward slash text. Just put your information in. It puts it right in my phone book on my phone. And then we can stay connected. And uh, and you can hear from me. I can hear from you. And I want to hear from you. So do that and join us. I love you. I will see you in the morning. Have a powerful day. Later.